You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Take your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 73. You can basically take, take and toss your sermon notes that you'll see on that folder because things have changed. And, um, and so we're going from New Testament to Old Testament, turn to Psalm 73. We'll look at that in just a couple of moments. Well, it's good to be back here, back with you folks. We were away last weekend. It's been a crazy, very emotional last few weeks for our family. Our daughter, Clarice, was married August 20th. It was so great being able to see family and friends during that time before during and after the wedding weekend. And then a week ago Friday, um, Mason and and Amanda were married outside in the Peachland area, and it was a beautiful ceremony. Right after that, jumped into the car, drove Friday night to Calgary, where Charlotte, I met up with Charlotte and our son Nate, as uh, as, as Charlotte and Nate went there the day before to get him set up for his schooling in Calgary, stayed at Clarice and the new son-in-law's place. And uh, then first thing Saturday morning, we jumped in the car, all five of us. Yeah, we even took the son-in-law with us. Um, didn't make him hitchhike. I was tempted to, but we didn't. And, and uh, we took off for Saskatoon. And we celebrated Charlotte's 60th wedding anniversary last Sunday with about 90 of their friends and family. Hello, George and Jeanette. They say they watch every week in Saskatoon and can't wait to see a GCC church established there in God's timing. And uh, it was great to see them and to see others And then Monday, back to Calgary to finish getting Nate set up, and then we drove home to an empty nest. And that's weird. And Charlotte came out of Nate's room after we got home and went into his room and said, I've never disliked clean rooms so much before in my life. Moms, dads, the rooms will get cleaned up eventually. For right now, if they're at home, enjoy the mess. And uh, that means there's life, there's activity. (laughs) Yes, probably a battle, but um, things change. And I'm so thankful for the crew that just faithfully served. Even this morning, about half an hour before the service, it started to rain and tents needed to be adjusted and things needed to happen to protect the electronics. And then the power went out on us. Just we blew something in there. And just again, just people working together. And and just that's been happening ever since Easter Sundays. We've been meeting together here in this parking lot. And we're so thankful um, and, and especially thankful for Brett who stepped in last Sunday to preach last weekend when late Saturday they found out that the guest preacher couldn't make it and so he stepped in to preach Um, John Wesley uh, the great man of God said years ago he said a preacher must be ready to preach pray or die in a moment's notice and so Brett well done you did that last week and uh, so we're so thankful for that and, and I'm thankful and so excited for what God is growing and building here at Hope Kelowna. It's for his glory and his name. And, and through it all, we've seen and we've been saying and we believe and we believe it's going to continue to happen that the mission marches on. That God's mission continues to march on regardless of what goes on in our world. And that we look forward to moving inside into the German Hall. I'll say a little bit more about that at the end of the service today. And, and, so, um, and, and, and so just stay tuned for that, just some information and just some updates in regards to our move indoors next Sunday, Lord willing. 
and that will happen. Anyway, September is oftentimes a season of change. It's the end of summer. The weather starts cooling down. It means pumpkin spice, everything is happening all around. I think that started August 20th this year. I think Starbucks I saw, I Googled that this week. I'm like, I can't believe it. It gets earlier every year. It means that Christmas decorations are set up in Costco. And, uh, and, and, and it just seems that, that everything starts shifting and changing. School has started up again. There's new schools, new grades, new teachers, new students, all of these things. And September is oftentimes about getting back into the routine, getting into the regular rhythms and kind of, you know, the rhythms and routines of life. And that's happening here at church with, with uh, our Sunday um, services and programming that happens throughout the week. And yet I think for all of us today, this September is a little bit different especially here in British Columbia. For all of us, there is this overriding kind of cloud of confusion and uncertainty and angst and all kinds of different words to describe where we might be at. And there's so much that we're all facing and we're all in it one way or another. We have a federal election coming up soon. And as God's people, we want to pray and we want to then vote wisely for candidates that best line up with biblical values and freedoms. And, and we pray and, and we, our, our hope is for Canada that, um, that, that we would see um, biblical uh, values upheld and that ultimately we know that our hope and change won't come through politics. It's going to come through a revival that starts with God's people and God working there. But we also have the privilege and the freedom to be able to vote. And so let's do that. And let's face it, politically, economically, socially, culturally, COVIDly, things are in a mess. I mean, no matter how you look at any of us, and, and we have COVID that just doesn't seem to go away. And some of you have had COVID. You've struggled with it from mild to moderate cases. Some of you even a little bit more serious. And, and, and so we have this over um, in our lives and, 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 and that people are facing. And, and, and yet we have constantly changing mandates that can be so confusion, confusing for us. And, and then there's been the debates over masks and vaccines. And now we have the vaccine passport set to roll out. That's tomorrow, I believe, in British Columbia here. And, and all, of, all of us, we're making or in the process of making personal, personal decisions based on our research and convictions and conversations, and I trust seeking God much, more than anything else, and yet I don't know how much of we do, that we're seeking God in prayer. We're seeking his word for strength and for comfort and for direction. And some of you, and I've dialogued and prayed for and with you this past week and even in, in, in past weeks, but especially it's intensifying. We're in the process of making decisions personally and as families that, that can and will, could be quite costly, life, career changing, even for some. And some of, the, some of you are facing some real dilemmas. Now, this next little sermon is part of, uh, of my message is brought to you by the letter D. I couldn't help but think of all the D words to describe what is going on, and no swear words in that. You may want to add your own, um, if you can think of any of those, but... Um, but, but it's kind of comical, but it's also, I think, just very truth-telling of where we're at right now. With everything that has been going on, it can leave us feeling rather down and discouraged. And it's easy to get distracted by all of the news and opinions, and it's hard to concentrate at times on other things that are going on in life. And this all leaves us feeling a little disillusioned. 
with this never-ending saga, it seems, and wondering at times, are we being deceived? And I'm sure that we've all been disappointed with the actions and reactions and mandates and different things as well as the actions and reactions, perhaps even in our own lives, how we have acted and reacted and treated other people, how we've lashed out and we've been hurtful, perhaps towards others. And I wonder if there needs to be forgiveness, reconciliation over some of the hurt that we've caused and take responsibility for our words and actions. Just not be a steamroller and just roll over people. It's vital. It's vital, church, that we be right with God. And in order to be right with God, we need to be right with brothers and sisters. We need to be right with one another. Not looking at all their issues and their problems, but we need to be looking at ourselves and how we are acting and reacting and treating others. And yes, there have been many debates, some cordial, some respectful, some beautiful, God-honoring even. But sadly, many of them have been the opposite, causing a lot of division. And there is so much diversity in, in, in reason and thought and leaving us all very divided. And I don't know of a family, I don't know of a workplace, I don't know of a church that has made it through this season unscathed without there being division. And all of this can lead us feeling quite easily to feelings of defeat and perhaps even for some into, into discouragement and depression. And how we need great discernment in these days because it's easy to drift into fear and worry and anger and unhealthy and potentially damaging coping mechanisms. Or we could just bury our head in the sand Turn on Netflix and just hope it all goes away or a host of other escapes. Those aren't options for us. And this morning, we were going to start a new message series called The Cost the Follow, as you see in your bulletin and as you see on your message outline. But I believe, um, Lord willing, it will start next week. I believe it's a timely series and a message for our church about how and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in 2021 with everything that's going on. And yesterday morning, though, kind of brought an end to a lot of the restlessness for me. Uh, yesterday morning at 10 a.m., I decided I just needed to shelve the sermon that I'd been working on all week. There just wasn't a piece about it. And sense that we need to settle our hearts together as God's people and then partake together of the Lord's Supper together. And we need his wisdom, we need encouragement, we need direction, we need strength from the Lord, from his word, by his spirit working in our lives. We need to receive and extend God's mercy and God's grace. We need to receive that once again, anew and afresh into our lives, but we also need to extend that to others. And so today in Psalm 73, we have this psalm. And, and it, it, I trust, I pray that it will help us to regain some perspective from God's word. And thus we find hope to move on, not in fear, not in anger, but in victory as we assess what is going on, but then we look ahead and get the right perspective. And today as we gather as God's people, may we see clearly in this sanctuary, and, and, and hasn't this been an incredible sanctuary for us to gather? You see, God's temple is anywhere God's people are meeting. And it's so beautiful. And, 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 and whether I'm alone on a mountain, I can meet with God. Or whether it's in a parking lot for the last number of months, we can meet with God. And this has been a beautiful sanctuary. And we're going to see the psalmist 
as he goes to the sanctuary of God, he gets to see clearly in my prayer is that you would see clearly today that you and I would see clearly from the word of God and have a readjustment in our thinking, that we would see past the mess and the confusion and gain a rightful and a proper and eternal perspective. And so in Psalm 73, we see a very dark struggle of a faithful believer. And some of you, are, you're there. You've been a faithful believer and a follower, but you're in a dark place. You're in that struggle. Asaph is a worship leader. He's the author of this psalm. He's a worship leader in God's house. He's a faithful servant. And he starts out with this great statement. Look in your Bibles and please have your Bibles open. And if you didn't bring a Bible next week, there are Bibles on the back table for you to take and and take home with you if you don't have one. And next Sunday, be sure to bring your Bibles as we want to follow along together in God's word. Look at in verse one. It says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Here, Asaph has good theology. He's making a great statement here. He knew this and and, and he believed it to be true. And I like how the amplified version puts it. He makes this statement. It says, only good is God to Israel. God is good. We believe that. We have good theology. God is love. We believe that. We have good theology. But at times, we can question it when it comes, when the rubber meets the road. And, And you see, having good theology and understanding is one thing, but... But when your theology and what you see going on clashes with reality, it can be hard. How do you hold to the conviction that God is good when life stinks? And let's face it, life can stink. It stunk before COVID. It will stink after this is all over and in the midst of this. What do you do? What do we do as God's people in the struggles and the confusion, in our depression, when we can feel so alone And have no ready answers. Look in verse 2. He makes this bold statement, but now he gets real. He gets honest. Verse 2, Psalm 73. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. In other words, he's saying, I almost packed it in. I almost gave up on God and his ways. I almost just like, just slid off the cliff cliff and said, I'm done. Here we have a God-inspired writer of scripture, a God-inspired worship leader. He's ready to walk. He's ready to pack it in. He's on the edge of throwing in the tunnel. He's in a bad place. He's in a dark place. And you know, some of God's choicest servants throughout, the, through, throughout biblical history and in New Testament and even in current day can be found in some pretty dark places at times. Just look through the pages of scripture I think of um, Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers living decades ago, but is, is listed and considered one of the prince of preachers. Many great quotes and great preaching. Yet he struggled and battled discouragement and at times depression that left him in bed for weeks. And all throughout history, we see that we can find ourselves in a dark and a difficult place filled with negativity, fear, discouragement, anxiousness. And perhaps for you, even today, it's, it's been over the last while. It's COVID, it's vaccines, it's mandates. Or maybe it's totally related to something else that you're going through, a health issue or a battle and struggle that you're facing, maybe a relationship, an addiction, a battle with sin that just doesn't seem to have any victory. Or maybe you're experiencing loss and hurt and pain. Or maybe there's guilt and shame from the past, loneliness and and hurt. 
God desires to meet you today. He desires to meet everyone who is thirsty, everyone who is hungry, anyone who is, is desperate for him. He is ready to meet you today, just as he was ready to meet Asaph. And for Asaph, he found himself in the right place, and I trust that we too would find ourselves in the right place. We are here in the sanctuary. Would we get in the right place with our heart? Next, we see Asaph making this confession, but now he gets serious and he comes clean about this struggle. He gets super honest with God. And honesty before God is absolutely vital. Look at what it says in verse three. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out, of, out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. I like how, uh, j- just what's described there in verse four. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Their eyes swell out of fatness. You see, in ancient days, to be fat to the point that your eyes swell was actually a great sign of wealth and prosperity. Some of you are like, yes, I'll, just, I'll keep going now. This is wonderful. You know, I'm just getting biblical, you know, as, as, the, as we pack on the pounds, you know. And, and so anyways, verse eight, slight distraction. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked. Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease. They increase in riches. In short, he's ticked. He is really mad because he sees the wicked. He sees the injustice. He sees what is going on. He sees their cheating, lying, lazy, arrogant, deceitful ways. And it just seems to be doing nothing but getting them further ahead. And people are following them. And people are just buying it and and just like, oh, how can we be more like him? They do not need God. In pride, they blaspheme God. They have all the material goods. Their lives seem complete. They have a following of people. People just follow them and, 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 and who actually not just follow them, but envy and want to be like them. And Asaph, he, he describes this in such detail, and, 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 and which, which leads us to think, he's been thinking about this for a while. In fact, this has been bugging him for a very long time. He says, how can this be going on? Here I am, walking with God, serving faithfully, and it really looks like I'm missing out. It looks like they're having the follies and the fun and the great times. I go to church. I desire to be faithful in following God. I don't have the houses, I don't have the cars, I don't have the bank accounts, I don't have the retirement plan, I don't have the good times, the laughter, you know, the selfies, the the group selfies of, you know, just high times and wonderful people that they're around. I don't have the social media following that others may have. Verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands of innocence. I've been trying to live for God. And it looks like it's all been in vain. It's so frustrating. For all the day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. I get up and I see this and I think about it and I'm just uh, frustrated. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He's been saying, I was doing the right thing. 
and I, kept, I tried keeping my heart and my life clean. I, I tried to stay on the narrow path and the right path, but it doesn't feel like it's been worth it. And then he even says, I haven't even told others about it because I didn't want to cause them to stumble. I don't want to be an instrument for Satan and ruin other people with my questioning and with my doubts. And so he's desiring to be careful in this, but he's also so discouraged and frustrated. And then he basically concludes, but when I thought how to understand this, it just seemed too wearisome of a task. And I wonder as we try to make sense of everything going on around us, it's just a weary task, isn't it? I want to be faithful to God, but life is hard and it seems unfair. And here he is, he's ready to tap out. And I wonder how many of us at times are just wet, ready to tap out. So many voices, so many choices, so many decisions and concerns and fears. Or maybe you're living with, have I made the right choices? Am I deciding the right way? Or maybe it's the guilt over the hurt and offense that you've caused others if you, as you've steamrolled other, others in this process. Have I been unloving and responsible for the loss of friendship or Christian unity? Or maybe you've been wounded. Today you're carrying some deep wounds because you've been hurt by others, even Christian brothers or sisters or blood family in this process. And you sense bitterness, resentment setting in. Look again, verse 16. This is the good tap out place. But when I thought how to understand it, it all seemed too wearisome a task. This is where it's time to give up. He's been honest before God. He, he has good theology, but man, the way it's all panning out right now, it's not making a lot of sense, but he's being honest and that's a good place to be. And now he's tapping out and saying, I'm done. I can't figure it out anymore. And look at verse 17. Here's the turn. Here's the change. Eyes in the word. Rise out of your phone. Don't be looking at other stuff on your phone if you're using your phone during this time. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Asaph went to church. Asaph gathered with God's people. He worshiped. He got with God. And all of a sudden things started to change. This is where it started to change as he was coming under the influence of God, under coming under the influence of his word and his people. Everything started changing. His whole perspective, the whole chapter changes and his whole outlook changes. It's exciting. It's wonderful. And this can happen for you today too. God's word in Psalm, 30, in Psalm 3 verse 3 says that he is the lifter of our head. He lifts our eyes, our focus off the immediate, off the battle, off the struggles, off of ourselves, off of the guilt, off of the shame. Cal, can you come up here for a second? I just want to look at what you were looking at on your phone. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I'm sure it was Psalm 73, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, okay, just stand here. This is Cal. Cal, put your head down. You see, this is the way Cal has been walking around probably would, you know, in life in the last little while, as many of us have been. Our heads are down. We're discouraged. We're seeing everything from this perspective. We've seen it all going on, and it's just like, it's just crazy, and it's not good. But here in Psalm 3, it says that the Lord is the lifter of our head. 
But our heads keep going, yeah, just loosen up a little bit there. All right. And, and, and so, you know, here we're looking down and we're seeing all of this and we're down and we're discouraged. And the Lord, he's the lifter of our heads. When we allow him to lift our heads. Thank you, Cal. You can, you can pay me back next uh, uh, at boot camp this week. Psalm 3, verse 3, he, our God, is the lifter of our head. He is the one who can take our eyes off the immediate, off of the fear, off of the anger, off of the frustration, and get it. And, and some of you, you need to get it. You need to get it like this because, man, you are so down. And, and, I mean, you need to go see Josh, and he needs to snap your neck and get you back, you know, because it's just constantly going. But it's not going to come through Josh or a good chiropractor or surgery or some sort of a neck brace. It's from getting our eyes on our God. Get our eyes off of all the other stuff. Some cancel your social media. It's just taking you to a dark place. And it's not good. Yes, we need to be informed, but we don't need to be so obsessed. We need to get our eyes. We need to get our eyes on our God. He's the lifter of our head. You see, this is where it all changed. His perspective started to change. Everything changes for Asaph here as we continue to read in a moment. He sees the wicked, not on the basis now of their prosperity. Oh, the, the wicked are still all there. This is still all going on. But now he sees it in light of eternity. He gets God's view in all of this. He gets a glimpse of God, of God's rule and God's eternal reign. What a wake-up call. Verse 17, last part. It says, then I discern their end. Truly you have set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one's, one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. One day, he's saying here, basically what he's saying here, one day they're going to wake up. And it's going to be like waking up from a very good dream, an awesome dream. And they're going to wake up from this dream and they're going to realize that they are now in a nightmare. As I mentioned last weekend, we stayed one night at Clarice and Toby's place, our daughter and new son-in-laws in Calgary. And, and Nate, our son, slept on the couch in the living room and, and it was a little earlier in the morning and he was still out cold. And, and, uh, but I noticed, it, but he was wearing one of those eye you know, sort of mask kind of things, you know, to block out. I don't know. Some of you wear, I don't know. I couldn't wear one of those. I just close my eyes and it gets dark. Some of you have to wear other stuff to get dark. Anyways, he's wearing this and I started to see that he was stirring. And I think, I think he's waking up. So as he's stirring on the couch, I leaned over and, I, and his face is right there. And all of a sudden he takes and he lifts it off. And guess who's, I mean, Prince Charming is staring right at him, right? Like, it's just like, and his, whoa, you know, and of course, freaked him out. I'm like, yes, you know, and job well done, dad. You still got it, you know. I mean, here he was probably having a wonderful dream, you know, um, 4.0 grade point average or, you know, working out and hitting new highs or whatever it might be. And um, he woke up to a nightmare with bad breath, coffee breath. But this is what's going to happen to the wicked. They can be having this great life and everything, but it's a... They're going to wake up. And one day, one day, it's going to be a total nightmare, the reality that they're going to be facing. An eternity away from God. In hell forever. That is what will happen to all wicked. 
There isn't a little holding place for the not so bad and, and, and a good place for the good people and, and all of this. No, God's word says it's heaven or hell. And the decision and the choice that we make here on this earth regarding Jesus Christ is what will make that difference. And they will wake up one day and realize what reality is really all about. Their popularity, their prosperity, their pride, their deceitful ways, governors, those in charge of nations, kings and presidents and prime ministers, their deceitful ways will be exposed and it will be replaced by terror and loss. It may look all good right now, but for all eternity, terror and loss. Look at verse, let's continue, verse 21. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Now he's kind of like, kind of sheepish, just like, oh, man. I'm kind of embarrassed now how I treated God, how I was so like out of control and so worried and so, you know, I'm kind of ashamed about the dark place that I was in. I, and he's saying I was kind of like an animal towards you, God. I was kind of brutish. I was bullish and brutal towards you in the things I said. But even here, even when we treat God like that, in our confusion, we call out to him. We find his grace and we find his mercy. And he's like, get over here. You big lug, I love you. Get back here. It's even there, even after we say things and do things that we find his grace and we find his mercy and we find his loving embrace. Look at verse 23. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. This means you give me direction. You give me purpose. You give me hope. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. How? <laughs> verse 25, who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. And actually the real translation of that, the exact way, my flesh and my heart will fail. Because every one of us, at some point, whether that's in the next week, or whether that's in the next decade, or maybe a number of decades, our heart and our flesh will fail. It will happen. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What hope? Do you have that hope today? Is your eyes all on, on everything going on in our world, all down in here? And we need to get that. Look up to the mountains. Look up to where our hope and our help comes from. For behold, verse 27, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your works. So here we see this honest, and, uh, a, a faithful servant of God with good theology, good head. But he's struggling and he's honest before God. But then in his honesty before God, as he goes and he worships with God's people, as he gets in the word of God, he sees and, and, and finds the proper perspective. He finds out he's been looking, wait, he, he, his head needs to be lifted up. And when we go to God's word, when we go to church, when we go to a small group or have a conversation or a, a, a chat text or with someone and God uses that person or that event to turn us and return us to an eternal perspective, that's a miracle of God. 
That's him doing that. That's him providing that person, that event, that word, that series of words, that chapter from God's word for you. That's the good shepherd taking care of his own. Through worship, through his word, we see God's infinite perspective. Everything changes when God becomes our focus, not our problems and not everything going on in this world. If we would seek after God for God, not just seek after him for his stuff or just for his wisdom and what do I do in this direction? What do I do here and there? But when we truly seek after God for God and just worship and thankfulness and praise, that's when he shows up. That's when he lifts our head and gives us the power for our, our, our focus and our eyes to stay on him. Everything changes when God becomes our focus, not our problems. Asaph was reminded of God's attributes, his character, his power, his eternality. All of a sudden now he could see the judgment, God's judgment of sin as well as God's solution that he offers to sinners. Eternity broke into his temporal perspective. Today I wonder... Where does your head, where does your gaze, where does your mind need to be lifted? What's been your focus? Are you feeling defeated and discouraged? Has your mind been obsessed and consumed with all kinds of other things? If you were to be honest, has your focus been on the temporal or on the eternal? It's not saying we ignore the temporal, but we look at everything first and foremost through the lens of the eternal of what God is who he is, God's goodness, and his love for us. And as we all face various decisions this week, in the coming weeks, from voting to COVID to all the other life issues and battles and decisions and struggles that we face, may we let God lead us. How many of us, we go and we make our choice and then we say, oh God, would you lead and would you direct now or, or would you bless Instead, it's getting that alone with God. Silence those competing voices all around us. Listen to Isaiah 30. Write that down, Isaiah 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord says, Isaiah 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and in rest is your salvation. In quietness and and trust is your strength. 95% of God's will for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for this church is found in the word of God. God's will is found in his word. And when we are living in a heart of repentance and waiting upon the Lord, he leads us in that other 5%. When we are resting and trusting in God and his word, he will show us the way to go. And it goes on to say, Isaiah verse 30, it says a little further on, it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Do we need that today or what? The Lord is longing to be gracious to you and to me, but we must rest in him. We must take time to seek him. 
Like Asaph, let's pour our hearts out to God. Get honest with him today as we partake of the Lord's Supper in a few moments. But it's going to probably take us a lot longer than that for some. Just where we're at in the battles and the struggles we're facing. Get alone with God. Go for that walk. Spend time with him early in the morning, late at night, whenever it is. Carve out that time and get alone with God. Get honest about the struggle and the battle. Bring the fear. Get honest like he did. God, I don't, you can't figure out what's going on. Get honest about that, about the confusion and the hurt. Confess and make things right with God and with others. Surrender yourself to him, either for the first time as Lord and Savior or again daily we surrender our lives to him, renew our trust in God and his word. And as we silence the voices and the opinions of those around us, God will lead us. God will show us the way. He will grant us his peace. And that's been the words I've experienced, we've experienced in our own lives, in ministry, in our own personal lives. And what I've been encouraging many people this past week in conversation is you get alone with God, you worship him, you worship your face off in the word of God. And, and, and recall his goodness in your life and bring to him all the junk and the struggle and the battle. And, and for some, it's going to be writing it out. And give it to God and just ask him to lead you. And, and so oftentimes we look for, oh, that cloud configuration. This is what I'm supposed, we want signs. You know, we want it so clear. And God often doesn't work like in quietness and rest is your salvation. All of a sudden, you'll wake up one day or you'll be going through the day and it's just the next natural step of what you are to do. And God's peace will be there. I was freaking out yesterday when I was working on a sermon. Like, sermons take a lot of time. And all of a sudden, there was no peace, no peace, no peace about what I was to be preaching. And I asked some men to pray and I'm like, guys, pray. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden at 10 a.m. just said, forget it. This is the direction we're going. You wouldn't believe the peace. I think I should do this every week because, man, it didn't take me nearly as long to write this sermon. <laughs> Maybe you're saying, and it shows. Um, I took off on a bike ride. I worshiped the Lord. I worshiped my face off. I'm like, okay, God, let's do this. And he's led the way. And he will do that in your life today. And he will do it this next week. And when you are facing decisions... I'm not making decisions for anyone except for me and what, how God is leading and guiding me and our family. And God will lead and he will guide you in all things as we seek him, as we get to his temple, as we worship him, as we gather with his people, he will show us the way. And when we mess up, he is there with great grace and mercy and forgiveness. And he's, get over here, you big lug. Let's get this right this next time. May we be continually with our God. In a few moments, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is such a tangible, invisible, physical reminder of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus on our behalf. And this morning, as we worship, I trust that as you partake of the Lord's Supper, it will be with a surrendered heart. That the Lord's Supper, for those 
people who have put their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you've never done that, please don't partake. If you are really out of sorts with God and you, you, you're, you're living in sin or areas of open rebellion towards God, please don't partake because God's word is serious. In 1 Corinthians 11, that you're then eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. And I, I, don't do that. Get right with God. Surrender yourself to him as broken and messed up as you are. Say, God. And he's going to say, get over here, you big lug. I love you. I'm going to forgive you. Let's keep going. And partake together of the Lord's Supper. May we worship and surrender to the King of Kings. Let us allow God in this time of worship to lift our heads as we look up. He will be the lifter of our heads as we look up to that hill where Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, gave himself for us so that we could have life. He became obedient to death, full out surrender, death on the cross, and look what God gave him back, life. He's given us as his inheritance. He's done this so that we can be forgiven. He died on the cross for us so we can be cleansed. The guilt, the shame, the confusion is taken away as his children seek and pursue him. Let's remember the grace and mercy extended to us. Let's receive it once again as we worship. Let's bow, let's bow together. And Lord, even now we come to you and I know that there's a battle raging, not only in the heavenly places, there's a battle in our hearts, in our minds, in our wills. And the only way we're going to gain clarity is through just all-out surrender. And as we do that, God, as we get our eyes off of the things and allow you to lift our eyes and lift, be the lifter of our heads today, to see things from an eternal perspective, to see the, the strength and the wisdom that you would have for each person here. Some are making some important decisions in the days and the weeks and months ahead. God, I pray that they would hear from you and know in quietness and rest and that you would lead and you would give them even though it won't be easy. You promise in your word, it's not gonna be easy for us, but we will have your presence. Would we take you by the hand and walk this journey together as a family, as the family of God here at Hope? as a family of God with other brothers and sisters locally and nationally and globally. God, we pray and we believe that our only hope is you. And so renew and revive your spirit within us. Do it in your people. Meet your church today. And from that would we find joy and peace and strength, our God, the lifter of our heads.